0: Welcome to the Triage Method Podcast with me, Gary McGowan, and my co-host, Mr. Patrick Farrell. This week, we're going to be answering a question that has been very common over the last couple of months, at least in my client base. Maybe I'm just doing something terribly, terribly wrong. That's probably (laughs) uh, No, at all seriousness, it's been a question that's come up um, among people that I've been coaching who started to take up a bit more running. Um, as well as uh, some individuals in our Facebook group and people through the, the triage DMs. And that question is, um, basically, hello, I've been uh, taken up running recently and I've had knee pain. What do I do, basically? you know, So how to work around, get through, cure, you could say, knee pain associated with running, particularly for someone who is new to running. And the reason that is worth considering is because when people first take up running, they and, and they do have the onset of knee pain, their immediate assumption is that there's something that they're doing that's just inherently wrong or that they're not built for running. So the first assumption could be, right, you know, my running mechanics are just bad or my running shoes are the problem. And maybe it's because I'm running on the roads and I need to change all those variables. And the difficult thing about that is that If you only have that approach to managing knee pain associated with running, then you essentially create barriers between you and the activity. Because if the roads are the problem, okay, now you're just not going to run on a road for the rest of your life. It's not a great setup, you know, if if it's the shoes that are the problem, then now you have to spend money to buy the perfect pair of shoes. And how do you know that those ones will even work for you? Um, and then if it's just your running mechanics that are the problem, sure, there are some things that you can adjust, you know, and try to use some cues. And, you know, sometimes there's very obvious things that people could improve on. Um, but a lot of the time, you just have to accept that people run differently. You know, uh, we're all, we're all not, not that, not that there isn't a spectrum and that many people aren't the same, but a lot of us do run differently and you will see different uh, types of people. Like for me, if, if I run, you'll see my feet externally rotate. You'll see uh, quite a lot of inversion, um, in my foot. And you know, that might be very different to someone who runs like real military style, you know, they Everything And that would be very different between me and that individual. However, if anyone looks at my kind of resting structure and you analyze my anatomy, you'd see, oh, it actually makes sense why this guy's run would look that way, because it seems to be that, you know, he's just got a lot of external rotation at the knee and blah, blah, blah the point there being that, look, we have anatomical variation that's normal, and that doesn't predetermine you to be set for, you know, just having pain when you do a certain activity, or you being just basically not built for a certain activity. So with all that said, where do we go from here? And where we go from here is essentially adopting an approach of of well, basically, to to use kind of Greg Layman's ter- terminology, who's a guy that I look up to, um, using that kind of movement optimism approach, and and movement optimism like basically being being related to right, regardless of how you are built, we can probably you know structure the activity in such a way that you're you can absolutely do that activity, and we just need to build up your capacity and your tolerance for that activity. Um, over time you know so rather than looking at people's structures and saying that all right you're just that's just not for you you can't do that you're not built for that Um, you're going to be injured if you do that we say how can I prepare you to be able to do the things that you want to do and that's kind of your central philosophy now that doesn't mean that we can make someone with really short femurs and a long torso squat the exact same as someone who's, who has really long femurs and is, you know, six foot five, you know, um, that's, that's, you know, those people don't really exist these days and they're getting called out weirdos, here. but, uh, <laughs> You're also but, but human. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: but essentially what I'm saying is that, you know, we, we should expect that, um, the outcome will. Will still be different. The outcome is going to be the outcome. How their run looks or their squat looks is going to be the same. So as a result, it makes sense to basically not have specific idealistic standards as to how running should look because running can look many different ways. And all you have to do to uh, start to realize that is just, just look across the, the spectrum of elite runners, whether they be sprinters, whether they be marathon runners, you're sure you'll see plenty of people who have maybe the ideal, um, mechanics for the activity but you'll also see many people who totally um, just don't adhere to that at all you know um, Hussein Bolt is obviously the example that I've brought up many times in the podcast before where Hussein Bolt has has a, a leg length discrepancy and if you look at the way he runs and when you analyze it biomechanically he actually has you know very uneven force distribution between his left and his right leg you know and if you look at other marathon runners and you look at the amount of hip extension that they have or where do they strike their foot when they fall you see great so, point here being, look, if these people are getting away with it on the elite stage with very high volumes of running, of course there could be an element of survivorship bias, you know. But it is also the case that it's very unlikely that you, starting up a new activity, you know, you're someone who just took up running, it's very unlikely you need to worry about all these specifics of being absolutely perfectly built <laughs> and prepared for the activity. Rather, it's more so just a case of building up tolerance gradually over time and introducing the activity in a smart way. So this, for,
1: this is something yeah. that people kind of do. They always put it off. to like, oh, I'm just not built for yeah. running. I'm just not built to run. Um, and it's like, of course you're not built to run because you haven't elicited any of those adaptations because yeah. you've never run.
0: Yeah, and that's exactly it. And, and it is one of those things where, like I think running more, more so than with a lot of activities, people just kind of accept, oh, I am just not built for that. And to be fair, it like there are... People write books on this stuff and there are lots of people who really do play guru in terms terms of saying, oh, we're just not built to run and some people just should never run and then you'll see buzzword articles you know with clickbait saying why humans should never run why this one activity is so bad for your joints and stuff like that um but in general look adopting that kind of movement optimism philosophy of look if you want to do something we can build you up towards it and prepare you for it it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be as good as some other individuals at it or that potentially you won't have a higher risk of injury because i'm sure um you know there are definitely factors that can that could increase your risk versus someone else um but basically, yeah, you can do the thing. You can do the thing. So with that said, right, from a proactive perspective, because I don't want to just say, right, you already have knee pain. I also want to say, right, someone who wants to kind of prevent the onset of knee pain or other problems when they, when they take up running. The first thing to do is, is, of course, like follow the advice that we have discussed. I believe we, 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 we have a podcast, a longer form podcast on this kind of good running principles for beginners. And I've got a coffee with Gaz on it on the YouTube as well. Um, but like this, the simple principles are to to start small and to, and to build up, and that that go, is the, in the exact same way that we discuss weight training. When we discuss weight training, we discuss things like volume and intensity and frequency, and it's the exact same thing here. So from a volume perspective, the total amount of time or kilometers that you're running, start small with that. From the intensity perspective, um, how how close it is to your max. Like this is probably the one of the main flaws, I think, that people do uh, fall, fall for when they take up running is that their immediate assumption is, "I need to run as fast as I can for as long as I can." Like that's kind of their goal, because um, it is kind of like when you get into weight training, you want to see how many reps you can do, and with a, in a running context, you want to see um, how fast you can go. You know, there was a trend going going around, obviously, at the beginning of the. I think it was for charity to be fair, but at the beginning of the lockdown, you know, everyone was trying to see how fast they could do their 5k, you know, and everyone was trying to beat each other and plenty of people were cheating on Strava. But, um, basically the, the intent there was like, I've never, I've never run, or maybe I've, I just played GA, but now I'm going to do my fastest 5k that I possibly can. And if you're going out and taking that approach towards running, um, you're definitely, um, at a higher risk. Um, higher probability of injury than someone who's real smart about kind of building up slowly over time so this is something that i do find um difficult to introduce to people because people have been so used to that approach so when you first kind of tell people um to do something like monitor their heart rate that's one way you can do it it's actually a lot easier to do that these days to be fair i used to be like um, oh no! You know, only if you have access to it. But most people, or a lot of the people that I that that tend to come to us for coaching, at least a lot of people do have activity watches and stuff like that. Doesn't mean you need to have a heart rate monitor, like a strap, a Polar strap. But if you do have a watch, you can begin to track these things. And if what you're seeing is that throughout your run, you know you're you're hitting like 170, 180, 190 beats per minute, um, and that's like you know feeling also really intense, and you're absolutely gasping for air throughout then it would make sense why you were so fatigued after running and potentially why you would be at higher risk of injury. Um, And why you don't like the activity if you 're constantly going one hundred percent, so rather than adopting that approach, if you can take the approach of right, let 's try to aim for sixty to seventy percent or sixty to eighty percent of your maximum heart rate roughly to start off with, like what I generally say to people is like let 's kind of see you more or less in the one thirty to one fifty range uh, for for your run you know let 's do twenty minutes at that pace and see, see how you go and then if you if you can do that, then you have an introductory level you can say, okay, I know that when I run at a six minutes, 30 seconds per kilometer pace that I am reaching 145 beats per minute on average. Now you have an idea of where your fitness lies on that spectrum of intensity and and the actual pacing outcomes. And then what you can do is start to build a program because again, you don't want to just go as fast as possible. So that's what I would say to you would be to introduce that gradual and guideline of um, having some sort of intensity guidelines in place. In this case, it could be heart rate, or it could be just RPE, so rate of perceived exertion. So what I generally say to people is, you know, let's start off with somewhere around an RPE of seven. And a very simple way of thinking about that is that it's about a seven out of 10, if you were to rate it, and very, even simpler, again, somewhere around your conversational pace. So that if I was running alongside you, and we were trying to have a bit of a conversation, that we could hold a bit of a conversation, you know, but if I was to try and sing a song, I couldn't sing a song. um, But I'm able to speak sentences, you know, you don't want to be at the point where you're so out of breath that you can't even finish your sentences, you know, that you don't want to be at that level of intensity. However, that's often the case um, when people do first take up running. So, there are some simple guidelines when you are starting to take it up. And obviously from an an actual volume perspective and a frequency perspective, don't say like, I actually had a client who did this recently. She was doing a challenge and she did, seven 10ks in a row <laughs> like a year ago a 10k was like a math would have been an achievement like you know but but yeah there you go don't don't do that sort of stuff <laughs> you know i had warned her in advance i was like look it's probably not smart the smartest approach and look once you're kind of you understand that go ahead but she went ahead and did it anyway but um in terms of the the actual volume itself don't don't go out and do that don't look at things In the way that we do weight training you know when we think about weight training we see we see 60 kilos we see 100 kilos we see 140 kilos depending on your level of strength um we basically see the weights that we use and the intensities that we use in basically the plates that are available in the gym so we allow our intensity to be dictated by plate availability and how they look on the bar rather than trying to be a little bit more objective and the same thing happens with running because people look at distance and they say why would i run a 3k why would i run a 4k why would I run a 4.7 K I'm going to run a 5 K you know, it's like, I'm going to run a 5 K I'm going to run a 10 K and then I'm going to do a 20 K or a half marathon. Like they're, they're the kind of units that people view the world through. Whereas if you can actually start and say, you know what week one, I'm actually just going to do one K boom, done right. It's not a, a big, massive workout. Maybe you might want to come home and do some skipping or you want to do some burpees or some pushups or whatever you're doing afterwards. Um, but you start off with that 1K and then you build it up and you say, all right, I'm going to do 2K, I'm going to do 3K, et And you build that up as the weeks go on and you kind of spread it out nicely across the week. So rather than say, I'm going to do seven sessions um, or I'm going to do all my weekly running volume in one session, you might say, I'm going to do three sessions, uh, one to 2K to start off with, and then I'm going to build up as the weeks go on. So that's a real simple introductory point. So there are kind of some good heuristics, um, but then, excuse me, but then as you begin to, Actually, or, or as we look at this to the perspective of someone who already has pain, so you've actually had some sort of knee pain, you've been through the running process, you've done something. Basically, what you want to do then is kind of just reverse back and work through those principles. That's most often what I do with people is someone will say... You know, this has happened with, with a good few clients recently because they've taken up new activities um, or they've been doing some stuff alongside our programming and stuff like that. And basically what they found is, you know, all right, Gary, my knee, not in, a gra- not in great shape, you know, took up a bit of, bit of GA there on the side with some of the lads and look, we did these mad workouts and now my knee's at me, you know, that kind of thing. So what I would say to people then is, right, that's absolutely fine. And my, I have some very simple heuristics, and they are right. Let's first start by uh, pulling back the volume. Right, let's pull back the total amount of work that you do. Let's pull back the intensity of that work, and then let's gradually re- re-int- reintroduce that work over time. Like it sounds so simple. Um, it's almost insulting to have done a four-year physiotherapy degree and then for me to turn around and say, <laughs> say do less. <laughs> but I mean that is that is literally it. You know, it is it is a case of of pulling back the volume, pulling back the intensity, and then trying to gradually build it up over the course of subsequent weeks. Because like if you think about it, you think about the actual the forces that you're dealing with, let's say in running. And if you're doing if you're normally doing your 5k at five minutes per kilometer, let's say a 25 minute run. And then what you say to yourself, you get some knee pain and you think you go online and you say, ah, it's my mechanics. You know, it's because I'm touching on the wrong part of my foot. And then what you do is you go out and you do another 5k um, at the same pace and you just change slightly the way you run. Like there's such a small difference in terms of the cumulative loading that your joints are dealing with versus initially reducing the volume and the intensity. Like clearly that's a more potent reduction. You know, say if you're thinking of of it in a weight training context, if your shoulder was sore, um your shoulder was at you, you've shoulder, and you're trying to reduce the dose of exercise, it would clearly be a far more effective reduction of dose to cut down from 10 sets to five sets at five reps in reserve versus continuing to do 10 sets but moving your grip out one inch. You know, clearly that's just a fairly futile. And that is kind of the case here if you're focusing solely on those mechanical changes um to address your pain with running. So bring down the volume initially. Um, bring down the intensity and also just remember, remember, or try to take the lesson away from how this onset in the first place. Because what sometimes happens is people will, you know, do, do this rapid increase in volume initially, where they go from doing zero running to do, to doing four 10 Ks a week as fast as they can. And then they'll listen and they'll say, okay, I'm going to pull back the intensity. I'm going to pull back the volume. I'm going to listen. And for the first four weeks, I'm going to gradually reintroduce and you follow your rehab plan. But then what they do is they just go back to the old mindset and they think that the goal is to get back to baseline and then do the same dumb programming again, by just going as fast, uh, as fast as you can, for as long as you can again. And the whole point is that you should take the lessons away from being injured. You know, no injury should ever be wasted. There should always be some sort of lesson involved. And if there, if you have the opportunity to learn why you initially got to that place in the first place, you should allow that to inform your future practices. And, you know, that's just good training practices in general to adopt an approach where my goal is not always to perform or to test. My goal is to train and training for developing fitness characteristics is different to testing them all the time. So there should almost always be something left in the tank in the vast majority of the work that you do in training. That's not always the case. You know, you could have some of your session that you're actually, t- this is a testing component to the session, but 100% of your set week and week across the month, they shouldn't all be testing you to your limits because that is really a recipe for developing pain and injury over time. Um, and ultimately how you address that prophylactically and and reactively is to start to get away from that paradigm of, as fast, as hard, as much all the time. So they're the they're the vast majority of the things that I would be addressing in clients who who present with these problems. Any questions?
1: Literally nothing to add, no questions to ask because again it's a fairly straightforward concept. It is, yeah. Ease into it if you're trying to be you know smart. And then also if you had an issue, ease out of it and then ease back into it.
0: (laughs) Yep. Absolutely. And that really is it. You know, it can be, can it be more complicated sometimes? For sure. Of course it can. You know, I mean, if you're, if you've got, if you've got an Achilles tendinopathy, for example, like they're just, they're an annoying injury. You know, I've had an Achilles tendonopathy myself and I know they're, they're annoying injuries. The same, the same, if you're dealing with some sort of, some other tendinopathy, it could be Teller tendinopathy or or tendonitis, as some would call it, like if you've got irritation of that tendon at the front of at the front of your knee, that can also be an annoying injury to deal with. And, you know, it might be the case that you don't it's not just a case of very simple reintroduction of running. You might also have to do some resistance training and specific exercises to try to build up that tolerance um, in parallel with you doing um, your little bit of running rehab and stuff like that. And of course, like it gets way more complicated if you have things like ACL reconstruction and rehab associated with that, et cetera. But fundamentally, regardless of the problem, the, the basic like framework actually ends up being pretty much the same, you know, and it, and it is simply a case of pull back to what you can currently tolerate and let's build up your capacity over time so that you're able to do the things that you need to be able to do. Like that's rehab that's it.
1: <laughs> and Honestly, gotcha. like if you were, if you were working with someone that actually had an issue, like you can get way more specific and obviously this very general oh, yeah. discussion. Sure. You no, know, ease into it. Like what that actually yeah. means for you as an individual is obviously going to be different based on, you know, your exercise history, your injury history, you know, what's actually going on right now. All of that stuff plays into it. So, you know, take it for what it is, right. Or take this discussion for what it is, which is just a generalized overview of like, this is how you should generally be thinking
0: about dealing with issues like this. Yep, 100%, guys. And remember, it can go beyond the knee. So if you have problems elsewhere, um, and it, with other activities, you can still absolutely try and apply these principles. And as much as you know, I think it's good to work with professionals. You know, it, when, when trying to work through these problems, I also think that you can really, really start to empower yourself and your own training and activity decisions by just trying to apply some of these principles and ha- having some of those heuristics in mind, you know, obviously if it's the case that, Hey, look, I've been trying to manage this myself for 12 weeks and I'm getting nowhere. Maybe that's the time that you want to see a physiotherapist, you know, or, you know, if you're having problems with your, your programming, you know, obviously you could, you can guide your own programming through information we presented the podcast, but there comes a point where you're like, I'm getting nowhere. Maybe I should hire a personal trainer, you know, those types of things. So, you so yeah.
1: definitely, definitely have the, uh, the goal of having the ability to perform basic body maintenance and then obviously yeah. the goal is also to have the ability to guide basic body adaptations you know like most people should be able to understand how do you build muscle how do you get fitter like the the, the basic and obviously that's going to work for uh, quite a lot of people but there's going to be situations where you're like i want to get in my best shape ever i want to get you know cure this injury that i've had me for the last two months or you know there's going to be certain times where dealing with a professional is you know, required i'd say you know um, yeah. and obviously you can also outsource everything because that's obviously a service that we have in this wonderful first world country of ours where you could literally just outsource all of the thinking and never have to think of any of that stuff again yourself we don't generally recommend that because again we we like people to be empowered with education but again it is a, a distinct possibility anyway where can people find us what services do we offer tell me all that jazz
0: yeah. So as you guys will know, if you've been following along with the podcast, we are in the process of working on a lot of background content. And that background content is for a service that we call the Coach's Corner. And it's the Coach's Corner because it's dedicated to developing coaches or personal trainers, but also interested trainees. So if you're someone who wants to learn some of the applied subjects that are relevant to personal training in a way that is going to allow you to individualize for your clients, um, get them better results, and hopefully allow you to have a more successful business, um, then that is ultimately the, going to be the goal of the Coach's Corner. Um, so you can pre-register your interest for that service below, and that will enable you to avail of a discount, significant discount, and there's no commitment involved in you pre-registering your interest. So you get a discount, um, and there is no loss involved there. So get involved um, along with that we have the triage method community which is our free open access facebook group and you can, i say free open access but technically not open access because you do have to request to join but we will let you in i promise no discrimination um so join there ask questions, see what we're posting. We are posting excerpts from the Coach's Corner content in there, so insights into what we will be releasing. And obviously, that's going to be useful if you're someone who's considering the service or seeing you know, whether or not it might even be of interest to you. It might be of no interest to you, but you can still get the free information that we're, we're releasing in the facebook group along with that you can also get that same information on our triage method newsletter which is the email list we do actually have people who are subscribed to the newsletter who don't actually use any other social media um which i found out recently because a few people emailed me after i made a video about social media and and posted some stuff in the newsletter and it was like they were like you know thank thank god for things like um newsletters i just kind of i follow a few different businesses that put out useful stuff and otherwise i don't use social media so that was interesting so i think maybe there's some of you who maybe listen to the podcasts and are in a similar position so you can subscribe to the newsletter and that actually allows you to keep up with everything that we're producing across all platforms along with recommended resources for from around the internet so i mean if again if you don't want to use social media and see what people are up to we're going to send you resources that we have found, whether they be research papers or podcasts or videos or whatever, um, that might be of interest to you, that are likely to be of interest to you if you follow us. And we'll also release, uh, as I I alluded to, excerpts from the coach's corner. So video snippets along with um, articles or or slide excerpts and, and associated posts. Uh, in there as well. So again, it's just free information. There's, there's no loss involved there. Um, and then obviously guys, we do have online coaching available. So, you know, if you've listened to this podcast and you're thinking, Hey, you know, I've been working through a bit of stubborn knee pain in my programming, you know, when I do these exercises, i want to do this program. up that might be something that we'll be able to help with. Um, So if you're interested in online coaching, then you can get involved. We do have spaces available. Um, And I think that is is pretty much everything other than suggesting that you follow our social media and in particular, YouTube, because you'll be missing out otherwise. I don't classify YouTube as Social media, technically, although it's definitely just as addictive in some capacity. You know, I find myself watching meat and egg time lapses and stuff like that sometimes, and I'm like, "What am I doing with my life?" <laughs> not very often. Well, but, if um, you didn't
1: join or you're not watching this on YouTube, you're not getting the full experience because you don't get yes. to see Gary in a fucking beater over here as he records this fucking <laughs> podcast.
0: Yeah, exactly. You're not getting the full experience. You don't get to see my absolutely disastrous haircut after shaving my head. That's a good. That's a good lesson, actually. Like recognize that when you normally get haircuts, um, as a male, you know, you might think that your hair is like all the same length, more or less. But you actually don't realize, you know, your top's always way longer, especially if you're a type of person to get a fade. So then, when you actually shave your your whole head and it all grows back and it grows back the same length or slightly different, it's like, oh man, the state of my head, you know.
1: Um, just yeah. learn, learn to cut your own hair it's not that
0: hard Jeez, it doesn't seem to be working very well I told um, you I would have given you a haircut when you were up but you were like
1: no, 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 no.
0: that's because they open on the 29th of June I'm ready same day as the gym I'm going to be strolling into the gym fresh fade <laughs> uh, but yeah no, that's it guys subscribe to the podcast as well it does really help um, especially on Spotify especially on spotify subscribe and share it around too you know if you're on if you're on the old socials and you do the whole instagram story thing say hey listen to this podcast it's absolutely amazing love both of the guys or or hate both of them they're so annoying which is why you should listen you know i'm we're we allow for that too share it around
1: anyway i have nothing else to say Gary. so i'm gonna wrap this up here and again it is too easy
0: Too easy.